On today's Locked On Royals podcast, we're going to dive into some realistic free agent options for the Kansas City Royals. How can they get better this offseason and try to get back to the postseason in 2022, which seems to be the goal for the organization? We're going to go through the top free agents, who's likely, who's unlikely for Kansas City, and so much more on today's Locked On Royals and Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Get it going on the Lockdown Royals podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Alan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Royals. And also, you can email the show, LockdownRoyals.com. On today's show, we're going to talk about some top realistic free agent targets for your Kansas City Royals. How can the Royals go ahead and improve this roster and get back to the postseason and more? Thank you for making Locked On Royals a part of your daily listen. Your first listen every single morning. We're here for you every single day talking Royals baseball. Glad you can join. Glad you can be a part of it. And today we'll talk about the offseason as a whole as we kind of inch closer to some important deadlines. So the Rule 5 draft is, of course, approaching in December. And they have to set their 40-man rosters. The deadline's tomorrow afternoon. You'll start seeing them make roster moves uh, throughout the day here on Friday. Or on Thursday, I should say. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out on Friday whenever the deadline officially happens because deadlines make things happen. Uh, that's something to watch for. Of course, the Rule 5 draft, uh, for those of you who, who might not have gotten into it recently and, and kind of are wondering what it's about, the Rule 5 draft is any player not in your 40-man roster can be drafted by the, in the Rule 5 draft. And in the Rule 5 draft, a team, let's say the Royals draft somebody, as they did with Brad Keller, for example. They draft a player. That player must remain on the Royals' 26-man roster the entire season. And if they ever want to send them down, they instead will return them to the club they took them from. So again, Brad Keller is an example of a Rule 5 guy who's heavily panned out. So there are areas where you can make an advantage but oftentimes it results in little to nothing in the Rule 5 draft, although it is still very important because if you can find a Brad Keller, if you can find somebody who gives you an edge, it's a great way to build a team and a great way to build a ball club because that's just basically free money. It's basically a diamond in the rough. You know, It's using no assets to get something that could have a huge and pay huge dividends because really, you don't really care about returning players you know, to, to their original club. And then you can wind up with guys like Brad Keller. Uh, also, Salvador Perez finished seventh in the AL MVP voting, which I was not a big fan of. I, I think that um, I think that Salvador Perez deserved to be a bit higher in those rankings. Maybe, you know, maybe that is just um, you know bias or whatever you would like to call it. Uh, but uh, he's the tenth player in franchise history to finish that high, but just the third player in the past thirty-five years. Lorenzo Cain, of course, finished that high in 2015, and then you had George in 90. So 
it's great that Soto Perez is getting kind of recognition, but you go through the kind of list and the standings from the Baseball Writers Association, uh, you know, kind of tally. Shohei Otani wins the MVP award. That's to be expected. I loved what Vladimir Guerrero Jr. did this season, but everyone had to know it was going to go to Otani this year, so it was Otani's year to go. I, I like Marcus Simeon. I do. I think that him finishing third, sure, you know, sure, why not? It's the Aaron Judge, the Carlos Correa, the Jose Ramirez. I think that Salvador Perez, and again, maybe this is just totally biasly speaking, but I think that I think that Jorge, that Salvador Perez is much better than Jose Ramirez and Carlos Correa and Aaron Judge this season, and that he should have been in the top three of MVP voting. He did get one second uh, one second place vote, two third place votes, and three fourth place votes. Uh, got zero fifth place votes, six sixth place votes, two seventh place votes. Three eighth place votes, three uh, ninth place votes, and four tenth place votes. He finishes ahead of Matt Olson, Cedric Mullins, uh, Brennan Lau, Rafael Devers, Bo Bichette, Xavier Bogarts, Jose Abreu, Nathan Evaldi, Robbie Ray, Garrett Cole, for some reason, got an MVP vote. He got one vote, which was eighth. Oh, oh except, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Garrett Cole got two votes, eighth and then tenth. I, I'm not sure how anyone could vote for Garrett Cole for the MVP award, but nonetheless. Jose Altive got a vote. Uh, Tasker Hernandez got a vote. Kyle Tucker got a vote. Mike Zanino got a vote. Austin Meadows got a vote. And Mitch Hanniger got a vote. I guess when you have to try to find 10 players, it's understandable. But um, I think that Soto Perez at seven is a bit low. Again, that's probably just you know me being a biased homer here. But I do think that Perez got the wrong end of the deal, so to say. Now, with this selection, it's not surprising. It doesn't really matter because, you know, if you don't win the MVP award, who really cares? But it's still cool to be in the top 10 MVP, MVP votings. Now, what's to come on Lockdown Royals? For, for today, we're going to look at the realistic free agency options for Kansas City. That might spill into a little bit tomorrow as well, but we're going to start a series you know, at the end of this week and next week and go throughout really the start of the offseason where we review players' seasons last year. And so the kind of you know formulaic formula for this will be uh, looking at what they did last year, looking at what they can improve on in the future, and how much more and how much more upside that they have. So like you know taking a look at a guy like Sandy Lopez, how much more room can he does he have to grow, or has he already reached the ceiling? A guy like Carlos Santana, when we review him, he's he is declining and he's already hit his ceiling. So like for him the the grade on ceiling is not going to be very high. So we're going to go through every single player and do that with. So that, that'll be a large chunk of what we do here. Of course, we'll pause for any big breaking news, either with the Royals or around the uh, division. Uh, and of course, also big breaking news around baseball as they head into uh, these CBA negotiations that'll likely uh, happen with a lockout in December. Um, from the vibe I'm hearing, like just from listening to, to people smarter than I am about the CBA stuff, because I'll admit I'm a pretty novice when it comes to CBA stuff. I don't really know a lot about it. Uh, it, it feels like it, it will be a lockout, but not a strike. So you might see the big scary words of lockout, but it still gets resolved before they're scheduled to play baseball, and it takes care of itself. The only thing I'm rooting for in this whole negotiation is playoff expansion, universal DH, and there not to be a delay of the season. Obviously, as baseball fans, we want to watch them play baseball as soon as possible. So that's one incentive to hope for there not to be a season delay. But the second thing is, as a sport who's trying to grow back its fan base, 
I don't know how a sport can survive with yet another messy public, you know, kind of display that they had during the pandemic where I hope that these negotiations are private. They get done quickly. And then it has those features that I just personally want from the CBA. So we'll, we'll pause for those few things, news, trades, division, Royals, AL, all that fun stuff. And then also CBA talk whenever that's prevalent, but mostly we're going to be reviewing and previewing uh, the players, how they did last year, what can they improve on? And then who are some options either down on the farm or via trades or via free agency that come and could upgrade that position of shortstop or second base or whatever position we're talking about that certain day. So a lot to look forward to. We're here for you every single day. talking Royals baseball. Subscribe for free on all platforms, including uh, a coming soon platform of YouTube, which will be up and running shortly before the next baseball season. Uh, and also for your second listen today, go check out the Locked on Chiefs podcast, getting you set for this fun, fun matchup between the Chiefs and the Cowboys coming up on Sunday. Now coming up, we'll talk about the free agency list and who some realistic targets for the Royals. But first, I want to say right now, my good friends over at BetOnline.ag, they're back and better than ever with a new website and interface to start the baseball season. With more prop bets, odds, and lines than ever before, BetOnline remains your number one spot for baseball and football action this season. So head over to your new updated desktop and website interface and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus. A 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when I've used the code locked on to receive that bonus. From baseball, basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, and up to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait. Take advantage of these amazing offers available for the 2021 season. But online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sport action, but online where the game starts. And so we are back on the Lockdown Royals podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every single day. I want to tell you right now, but good friends over at Lockdown Chiefs, because the Chiefs are in a fun season right now where it's just an up and down wild roller coaster. Uh, not so much fun for the kind of anxiety levels of us Chiefs fans, but it is fun in terms of content that you can be creating around this thing. And there's so many great uh, Chiefs content outlets there. Go check out Lockdown Chiefs uh, and, and listen to them, but also check out Lockdown MLB because Sully will do a great job of making sure you're up to date on things that are happening with that CBA. We're not going to get too bogged down into it. Uh, unless things, unless something just like incredible happens where we need to talk about it, uh, but you'll have a place and outlet for that with Locked On MLB on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your teams every day subscribe for free on all platforms, uh, and Locked On Chiefs is already uh, on the platform of YouTube, so go check them out and subscribe there for free as well. Now, free agency. My personal dream free agent, as I told you, you know, as I told you yesterday is Starling Marte. I think Starling Marte could do an amazing job. Just amazing job. Coming in here, shoring up the lineup, and helping out this Royals ball club. And while a ton of teams have talked to Starling Marte, he does have a ton of big name interest and big market interest, and it seems like it won't really work out. As I said yesterday, you know, there there is... You know, there is just not um, a expectation to me for the Royals to be involved in Starling Marte. I think that they should talk to him. I think that they should have a meeting with him and do their due, and do their due diligence because he's such a good player. But if they cannot sign him, I will not. Um, I will not be firing Dayton more or being upset about it. It's just a dream scenario. If you ask me what what the perfect scenario would be, it would simply be Starling Marte. Uh, but again, that's not realistic. So let's look at some realistic options that could happen this year in free agency. This is a sneaky good class. Now, 
with this free agency class, I am very much interested in how it unfolds. Do these players want to rush and make these deals over these next two weeks? You know, as we head into the Thanksgiving week, uh, you know, next week and uh, right before the December cutoff for the CBA expiring, do they want to rush and get these deals done now? Because they just want that security. Because you don't know will there be a long lockout? Will there be a strike? What will change in the in the CBA? What, what about contract details can change? And, and and that's where I think it's going to be most interesting is, is because. The contract impact of the CBA, you know, putting different languages in contracts um, and adding new avenues for contracts, et cetera, et cetera. That stuff can either really hurt players who sign early or really help players who sign early. What if the owners somehow get players to agree to having non-fully guaranteed salaries? They're the only sport where the salary is 100% totally guaranteed, um, you know, them in the NBA then at that point, if you wait to sign, now you're not grandfathered in on this contract. So it's just interesting to see how the market unfolds. But I do think it's a really good market. Um, again, Chris Bryant, Freddie Freeman, Corey Seager, Carlos Correa, th- those players are not going to be in the Royals market. Even Kevin Guzman will not be in the Royals market. Marcus Simeon won't be in the Royals market. Robbie Ray, I don't think we in the Royals market. Trevor Story, of course, not in the Royals market. Max Scherzer, of course, not in the Royals market. But... That'll be a fun market for baseball fans. For the Royals, though, there's still a ton of options on the table. Could Nick Castellanos be a surprise if the Royals truly want to go all in? Sure. Uh, could Marcus Stroman be a surprise? Maybe, right? I don't see Javier, Javier Baez happening. Sterling Marte, again, is my personal dream scenario, but I, I would um, not ex- I would not hold the Royals to that standard because of just the simple fact of, you know, that is a lot to ask of a small market team to sign Sterling Marte. Now, getting into the Royals' realistic candidates. What would Kyle Schwarber want on the open market after a season with Boston? Personally, I would stay away from Kyle Schwarber. Personally, I'd stay away from Chris Taylor. Personally, I'd stay away from uh, you know those players just because I'm not sure if they've caught lightning in a bottle or if this is going to be sustainable. Um, I, I don't really enjoy the idea of Carlos Rendon even, uh, either. Now, my first candidate that I really like that's realistic to me is John Gray. I think John Gray is a heck of a pitcher. I, I've watched him since he was in college. Uh, watching him in the pros with Colorado. I think that the course effect really hurts him, of course. I think that playing in a, in a division like this one, you could see him turn his numbers into elite all-star stuff. I, I think that the former Oklahoma Sooner drafted third overall, the, the, the draft thing is, the, the draft pick of him was warranted. He was electric at OU. And I think that he is, at age 30, going to put together a great season out if he, as long as he gets out of Colorado um, and I would hate for him to go to somewhere like Detroit or something like that and just dominate this division. Cause I think, I think that he is kind of that next big turnaround story on the mound. So I really would like John Gray in Kansas city. I think that that's pretty realistic to, to have John Gray in, in Kansas city. I think that's a realistic target. Now it's on the top end of that realism, of course. Um, but I think it's realistic to, to expect the Rose to be a player's with John Gray, if they, of course, evaluate the player the same way that I do, which is not to say that I'm right or whatever. I'm just saying if if they agree with me, I think that the budget-wise could fit in John Gray. Now, we talked yesterday briefly about Avisar Garcia. Um, I'm not in love with this. I think that he for sure fits the Royals' budget and the Royals' timeline and the Royals just fits the Royals. But, but personally, for me, I would rather swing somewhere else than Avisar Garcia. Um, I, I think that he is an upgrade over Michael A. Taylor, but is he enough of an upgrade to shell out whatever it would cost to get him, $30 million, $40 million, 
somewhere in that ballpark is what it sounds like right now for Garcia. I, I don't know if it would be enough, um, even though uh, he was in the 88th percentile in sprint speed and, and was just awesome with the, with the uh, stat cast metrics and everything like that. Um, I feel like the Rose would, would side with Michael A. Taylor in that scenario, and I personally wouldn't blame them for that. I think that as you kind of scroll down the list of free agents, a Kenley Jansen could be a fun option. This bullpen needs help. I think that the Royals are going to stick with their young arms and trust in their young arms to develop into the next step. So I'm not sure how much they'll add to that rotation. I think that they could take a chance on bringing back Denny Duffy because he's pretty versatile and can go you know, in the bullpen or the rotation um, and, and, or bring in another veteran arm just in case that these young arms aren't ready as they were not ready last year. Um, I think that they can, like they can for sure bring in another rotational arm, but they need immediate bullpen help. And Kenley Jansen could be just that. I, I think that um, I think that he could be a really good option for the Royals in the open market, and not cost too much money. It'd be a low um, year deal. I think you're not going to give him five, six, seven years. And so at that point, for an ownership group, if you're pulling that money on a big contract or or a sizable contract. When it's only a year or two, it's not a big deal. First of all, there's no such thing as a as a bad one-year deal. Uh, these owners have every owner in baseball has money to give a, a deal like even Noah Syndergaard signed, which is a one-year twenty-one million dollar deal. Twenty-one million dollars is a drop in the bucket for every single ownership group, especially when that money comes off the books immediately following the season. Uh, I think that uh, Kelly Jansen will probably get two years, three years, somewhere in that neighborhood where it's just not going to hamper you for very long. And so there's no real, you know, there's there's no real pressure there on either side, and I would enjoy him being in that bullpen to shore things up for the regular season. Now, I am fascinated by Kyle Seeger. I think that he's a really good player. I don't know what his market value is going to be, though, because it's just this market is so sedated with a ton of middle infielders and a ton of infielders in general that will Kyle Seeger end up signing a very team-friendly deal? It reminds me kind of a Moustakas, where like, Moustakas, like, we understood he was a very good baseball player, but he ran out of chairs on the musical chairs front as, as free agents, as free agents kind of dance around, there was not a seat left for Mike Moustakas. He ends up on a very team friendly deal back in Kansas city whenever he could have gone elsewhere. And so I don't think that Kyle Seeger will have a home in Kansas city, but if, if you really want to play the whole, it's time to make the playoffs, it's time to be cutthroat and be a, and be a business organization that cares about winning baseball games. There's really not an argument that Kyle Seeger is not better than, Hunter Dozier or uh, better insurance for that middle in, for that for that infield than Hunter Dozier is, and you add Seager to a infield that has options of Mondesi, who's often hurt, Nicky Lopez, Bobby Witt Jr. You can pull Whit Merrifield down. Nick Pratt will be on that infield as well. I really like Kyle Seager, and I, I find him more interesting for like the baseball side of things than than specifically for the Royals. But it is interesting in general. Now coming up, we're going to talk more about these realistic free agents for the Kansas City Royals. We are back on Lockdown Royals Podcast, on Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-E-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And on today's show, we're going to continue talking about some realistic free agent options. I think that as I said before about the whole rotation thing, two names to watch for in that rotation to me is Alex Cobb and Danny Duffy. I think that in general, the, the Royals would side side more with Danny Duffy, uh, who they're more familiar with uh, and who they're kind of, and who's more familiar with them. 
I think that it wouldn't be a bad thing. We saw it definitely play very well last year uh, for Kansas City. I also would be interested uh, in how they would view the, the rotation. Like, do they think that this is a year where they're just going to let these they're just going to let these players figure it out, right? These young pitchers figure it out for better or worse. They're going to ride the roller coaster all year long. Or do they want something to shore up and have a fallback option? Because, and that's why I lean towards Danny Duffy because with Danny Duffy, he's proven he can be a very good bullpen arm. And, and I've said on this podcast before, I think that Danny Duffy's best role is in the bullpen. I think that his best, his best kind of um, maximization is whenever he can just come in there rip you know, one, two innings of all he's got and help you in baseball games. So with, when you sign a guy like Danny Duffy, who's going to be 33, you have that insurance of if our young guys pan out and we all of a sudden have five starters, we have Hernandez, we have Singer, we have Bubich, you know, we have all these all these young arms that, that we think can clutter our rotation with Keller in there as well, and we no longer need a veteran arm, well, then you can you can surely surely shift Duffy into that bullpen and still have a have a um, sizable impact on your team. And, and if you don't feel confident in your young arms, well, simply slide Duffy to the rotation to that fifth spot. And he's proven that he's okay with that. He's okay with not being the ace anymore at this point of his career. Of course, he's coming back from uh, the injuries to his arm. He never pitched for the Dodgers after being traded there in September. Um, so he's technically only ever pitched for the Royals, but of course they traded him to the Dodgers uh, in the middle of the season. Now, those are just some names that I find fascinating for the Royals, so I think are very realistic. I think that the that the Royals will tell you a lot this offseason if they're going to back up their kind of words, because Dayton Moore said that this is going to be 2022 a year where the Royals were pushed to be back in that postseason. And so you have to do something. It's just a matter of what. Uh, will it be the big surprise of Sterling Marte, which I would love? Will it be some understandable flyers on Daniel Duffy again or an Alex Cobb or any of these other players we've mentioned so far today? So I, I really think that the Royals are in a good position this offseason to truly make their move. And the division's not slowing down for them, as we see with Detroit meet, having meetings with Carlos Correa already and dinners with Carlos Correa, even after signing uh, Arado uh, Rodriguez. I think that the Tigers are coming. And the Royals cannot be left behind. So this is going to be a very important offseason for Kansas City. We'll see how they handle it and talk about it every single day right here on the Lockdown Royals Podcast, on Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. So until next time, be good and be good to one another.